I wonder if they're going to have more fun than we are. Thanks. It's a real pleasure to be with you here during these uh, Strong Challenge series. And as you know, today's topic is Strong Service. Just over 33 years ago, in this very spot, right here, during our wedding ceremony, the pastor who married us gave us a charge. He said, John and Laura, be doobies. I didn't quite understand at the time what he meant, but uh, he charged us to buzz through life being doobies, doing things to serve God and serve others, and true to that charge, we've been buzzing around ever since. Now, the metaphor for this morning's theme of strong service is, thankfully, not bumblebees, but the soldier. The text is 2 Timothy 2, 3. And four, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. I want to focus on two themes from this passage this morning. First is pleasing the one who enlisted us and then sharing in suffering as good soldiers in our service to him. I'll start with pleasing our commander, the one who enlisted us. Now, one of the cards in the Strong uh, Challenge series on the strong, s- strong Service section uh, concerns serving with your gifts. That's this week, serving with your gifts. And one of my favorite parables of Jesus actually highlights the combination of serving and giftings. We read uh, another passage this morning. (laughs) This this passage, the the parable I want to read is from Matthew 25. And it's the parable in which there are three servants. And these servants are entrusted with things called talents. One of them was entrusted with one, one with two, and one with five. Now, before we go on, I need to let you know that a talent in this parable is not the same thing as... Like when we say, oh, she's got a real talent for cooking, or he's got a real talent as a quarterback, or even America's got talent. A talent in this parable has to do with money. It's a unit of money, and it turns out to be a big unit of money. I've done a little study on this, and it turns out to be that a talent at that time was the equivalent of a worker's wages for 20 years. Now, uh, I hope I did the math right here, and I looked on the Ohio government website to find out what the minimum wage is here in Ohio, and I multiplied times 20, and it comes out to be approximately one talent in today's money would be $300,000. So two would be, of course, 600000 and five would be a million and a half dollars. So with that in mind, here's the parable from Matthew 25. For the kingdom will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Now listen to this. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. 
He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with it, and he made five more. So also he who had the two talents made two more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents and said, Master, you delivered to me five talents and I have made five more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. I've made two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, when he came to the one who had received the one talent, he came forward saying, Master, (laughs) I knew that you are a hard man. You reap where you do not sow and you gather where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his answer from the master was this. You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed, huh? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was with my own, but with interest. Now, I didn't finish reading that whole parable, but in case you want to look at it, things get really bad for that third servant. But I've read enough to make a couple of points for our theme here this morning of pleasing the one who enlisted us. Now, notice that the master distributed the money, distributed the money to each servant according to his ability. I love that because I can take encouragement from that. This affirms that God has not gifted us the same. We've not all been given the same degree of health or wealth or education or intelligence or opportunity or experience. But we all are given some giftings, some ability by God, which we are then to serve him with and then to multiply. But from God's perspective, whatever he gives to any of us is apparently a little. I don't know about you, but $300,000, $600,000, and a million and a half dollars are a lot, but apparently not to God. Well, I'm encouraged that God does not expect us to strongly serve more than with the ability that he's given us. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in this parable when the master says to that second servant who was given two talents and returned two more, I just love this. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Aren't those affirming and uplifting words to hear for a faithfully strong servant? I want to hear those words from the one who recruited me, don't you? Of course you do. But what I love most about this These words to this second servant with the two talents who returned two more is that those are the exact same words 
that the master said to the servant who was given five talents and returned five talents more. The exact same words. Which brings me to the subject of comparing ourselves with each other in our service. Now remember that the money that the master gave these servants was still his money. It never was theirs. So you and I have no reason ever to compare what God has given to us in terms of abilities or opportunities because it all comes from him anyway. And in addition, in my experience, comparing what God has given me with what he's given to others leads me to only two alternatives, and they're both really bad. For example, if I see that I've been given more gifting and opportunity to serve him than others, I'm tempted to the sin of pride expressed in self-promotion. You've seen this before. Well, yeah, God really used me there. I'm really wonderful because God used me. On the other hand, if I see that God's given others more gifting and opportunity to serve him than me, I'm tempted to the sin of pride expressed in a different way, self-pity. Hey, what's wrong with me? God didn't bless me. I served him. How come he blessed her more? Self-promotion or self-pity. Both types of pride are really, really nasty. I don't recommend them. Now, there's another danger when we compare our gifts and service to others. It could lead you to the sin of passivity. Now, I call passivity sin. That word passivity is not in the Bible, but James 4.17 describes it. To him who knows what to do and doesn't do it, that is sin. Now, here's what I mean. Let's say, for example, that the master would entrust me with, say, four talents worth of gifting. And then I cruise through life just returning three talents worth. And then let's say that I compare myself to a person who's been given two talents and returns two talents. Now, with my own human, sinful, selfish eyes and probably the eyes of others, I look pretty good, don't I? I've returned three talents. That's one more than the guy with two, 50% more than the guy with two. But not in God's eyes, not in the master's eyes. I don't think I will hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant to me. And by the way, that is not just a make-believe story. I'm sorry to say that at times in my life, that has been my story. Now, which servants in the parable can you identify with? Now, remember, the first two are just alike. They serve to their full ability and capacity, and they received identical praise from their master. Are you like them? Or do you identify with that third servant? Have you buried the gifts and opportunities the master has entrusted to you? Or maybe you can't identify completely with either of the two servants who pleased the master or with the one that the master called slothful and wicked. Maybe you're like I have been sometimes in my life. And maybe you can say, well, you know, I admit I'm not actually serving to my fullest ability, but... 
you know, I haven't buried everything either. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Well, my charge to you, brothers and sisters, this morning is this. Whether God's given you a large amount of ability or a medium amount or small amount or supersized it, I encourage you to serve him to your full ability and without comparing or seeking the praise of other people. Laura and I have a theme that we like to do. We like to think like this. Whenever we teach or whenever we serve, we remind ourselves, we did it this morning, that we are serving or teaching for an audience of one. An audience of one. We only want to hear one voice say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, I want to switch gears and go to our second theme from our text, which is share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, how does a soldier for Jesus suffer? I think probably few of us here this morning are going to be beaten or put in jail or martyred for our strong service for Jesus. So for the rest of us, what does suffering mean? I think there's a more subtle kind of suffering that we as good soldiers of Jesus should go through. Now here I want to mention two more cards that are in the strong service section of the strong challenge packet or on the website. One is called first be last. First be last. It refers to the verse we read together uh, just a few minutes ago where Jesus tells the disciples if you want to be great in God's kingdom you need to be the servant of all. So the first thing we want to do as a soldier in strong service is to become last. Now the other card is entitled be a blessing ninja. Now the word ninja is not in the Bible either. But it is a kind of a soldier I think and so therefore it kind of fits in with the theme of of a strong service as a soldier of Christ. In any case Uh, The reference for that is Matthew 25, where Jesus says, when you have served the least of these, my brethren, or the, the, the smallest ones in society, you have served me. Now, this card in here and on the website suggests that this week that you and I be like ninjas, that we secretly and stealthily serve someone this week without them knowing about it. Well, how does being last or being a servant of all or being a blessing ninja when we secretly and stealthily serve the smallest in society, how does that cause us suffering? Well, it's this way. It's because when we do these things with the right motives, we fight against what the Bible calls our flesh. Our flesh is our natural, internal, selfish desire which demands ease. It demands comfort and which longs for the praise and recognition of others. Now, in my life, I've noticed that I don't really suffer much when I serve and I can still be first. And I don't suffer much when I serve and I get recognition for it. And I don't suffer much when I serve people who have the ability and the inclination to serve me in return. 
But my flesh, my natural man, does suffer when I serve all others first, when I serve and I don't get recognition and when no one notices, and when I serve the one who can't ever pay me back. So I suffer as a soldier for Jesus when I serve by doing something I don't naturally like or when I submit to someone I disagree with. But a good soldier submits. He does what the one who recruited him wants him to do, whether he likes it or not, as long as it's a biblical thing. You know, I just realized this week, that's why they call service and submission spiritual disciplines. You know, if if it's something that you're going to do that's easy for you and you like it, it doesn't take much discipline to do, does it? You do it naturally. And therefore, your flesh doesn't suffer much when you do something that you like. You know, I was once on a coaching ministry in the mountains of Central Asia to a ministry team there. And I met with a team leader, and he was complaining about a young member of his team who was not a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This younger team member was not submitting to his team leader, the one who recruited him. So I went on a walk with that younger team member, and as we were strolling along, I I can picture this right now. We were strolling along. I calmly just said, well, what do you think? Do you you think you're, how do you feel about submitting to your, your leader? And he said, without batting an eye, I submit to him whenever I agree with him. Now, you got the point. The tragedy is he didn't get it. He had no idea what he was saying. As far as I know, still doesn't. But by not doing anything that he disagreed with, this man did not share in suffering as a good soldier, and he did not certainly please the one who recruited him. Why do you serve? I'll ask myself, why do I serve? To me, 1 Corinthians 4, 5 is one of the most sobering verses in the Bible. It says this, that when the Lord comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and he will disclose the motives of the heart. Then each one will receive his praise from God. So God looks not just at what we do to serve, but he looks at why we serve. Now, to be honest, of course, because we're not yet completely Christ-like, none of us, I don't think, rarely do we serve purely for the praise of God or purely for the praise of people. And just like when we fast or pray or doing the other disciplines in this series, we may primarily do an act of service out of love for God and his glory and just a little bit out of wanting the praise of people. But if you've got a especially sensitive conscience today, I don't want this to make you stop and think, oh, if I'm not doing it purely for the grace of God or for the praise of God, and if I do have some little selfishness in this, I don't want you to stop. Can you imagine a soldier in the heat of battle turning to his commander and saying, "Um, sir, uh, I just uh, noticed, um, came to my conscience that, you know, when I enlisted, it wasn't actually with pure motives just to serve my country. 
I wanted people to think I was a hero. I wanted to impress my girlfriend. And since that's come to my mind, and right here in this battle, I think, I think since I came with totally, um, not totally pure motives, I think I should probably turn around and go home. <laughs> of course not. That's, that's, that's absurd, isn't it? So, as a wise man has said, when you find yourself doing the right thing for the wrong motive, don't stop doing the right thing. Just change your motive. Strong service. A soldier who stirs so strongly shares in suffering and aims to please the one who enlisted him. This week, let's you and I serve strongly by serving the least, by being last, by fighting against our flesh, by using our gifts and abilities to the fullest, all with the motive to hear the voice of the audience of one. Let's do it so that we can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the power of your word. We thank you for the example of Jesus who did serve for an audience of one. Let us examine our hearts today and see how much have you given us, Lord? Have you given us a little, a lot, a medium amount? Give us the discipline to serve to our full ability this week. In the name of the Master who gives us those abilities. Amen.